Sometimes in your own mind, it will feel like there's an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other shoulder. You've got to be careful of that devil and its thoughts. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where we talk about how to get the best out of yourself and how to build a life that you can't wait to get out of bed and live each day. This podcast is my attempt at documenting my journey, sharing my insights and what I've learned from being the private mindset and mental performance coach to some of the country's top athletes, rich listers, entrepreneurs, and running events for tens of thousands of people on how to better themselves and those around them. This is for those driven to achieve more in life, but are often underestimated by those around them. This podcast is my attempt at helping you prove your doubters wrong. Please enjoy. Driven mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Today, let's talk about the devil on your shoulder. All those bad thoughts, negative thoughts, evil thoughts, things that you know you shouldn't do that you keep doing. Let's talk about it. Let's dive deep into it. So something that I've been studying a lot of in the last couple of weeks especially is fear and the fear response that humans have. Now, I'm just going to dive into some of the higher superficial levels of fear. I'm not going to go into the physical responses that humans have with fear. What I wanted to really talk about today is that fear is such a close relationship that humans seem to have, or I guess humans seem to have a close relationship with fear is what I'm trying to say. When we talk about fear, most people are just so unaware that they're driven by fear. Now, every week I talk to people and they say, you know, I want a better life. I want to improve things. I want to make more money. I want to be able to achieve greater things. And I say, cool, let's do something. They go, yeah, but I don't have the money. That's a fear response. Yeah, but I don't have the time. That's a fear response. I need to go check with my partner to make sure it's okay. That's a fear response. Oh, let me think about it and I'll get back to you later. That's essentially a fear response. That's avoidance. So most people have these fear responses. Now, I want you right now to think about the fears that are holding you back. Is it the fear of criticism? Is it the fear of judgment? Only last night, I was talking to our business clients. So as part of Business Growth Odyssey or part of my one-on-one business coaching that I do with people, we have a Sunday night group that every Sunday night I do a Q&A on, on business and business coaching call, essentially. What I found was that the majority of the community don't want to post on social media more of their personal life because they're afraid of what other people think. Yet at the same time, personal brands are one of the biggest growing areas in business right now. So people who tend to post more personally tend to create a bigger personal brand, and those personal brands have a direct relationship to sales. But a lot of people, again, in business are afraid to do that because they're afraid of the judgment and criticisms of others. They don't want people to see their personal life, whatever other reason as well. But that's all a fear response. If their goal is to grow the business, yet they don't want to grow the business because they're afraid of what other people are thinking, that's still fear. That's a fear response. So I want you really to think about how often throughout your day do you have a fear response? I caught myself the other day because I was in a rush and I went, I don't have enough time. That's a fear response. Anytime you feel like you don't have enough of something, that's fear. So if you don't have enough time, fear response, don't have enough money, that's a fear response. You're worried about what other people think, any worry, that's a fear response. Okay, stress, that's a fear response. If you think about how often the average person worries, stresses, gets concerned about something, tries to stall on decisions, again, that's fear. Most people live their whole entire lives in fear, and then they wonder why they can't get ahead. Something that the great philosophers always talk about is that which you fear expands and grows. 
So if you have a fear of not having enough money, no matter how much money you have, that fear will expand. And I've watched people who have made millions before become more and more fearful, more and more scared, and they don't want to do anything. Imagine this. Imagine you don't have any money and you try to work hard to get ahead. Then you start making more money and then you blow your cash on trying to look like you've got a lot of money to other people, which then makes you fear money because you're stressed out and you know you don't have enough money. So then that creates more stress and more fear. Then you keep pushing hard. You have high staff turnover, more staff leave because they're getting grinded to the bone so that you can keep up with a lifestyle to try to impress other people because you're worried about their criticism and judgment of not achieving. That's a fear response. Okay, that's most people. That's why the average Australian spends more than what they earn. That's why most Australians live in debt. Okay, it's super common. It's also the reason why kids come out of school and jump straight into university not knowing what they want because they're scared that if they don't go to university, then they're not going to get a good education. And if they don't get a good education, they're not going to get a good job. And they're thinking about the money and they're scared. They're scared of what their parents think. They're scared of letting other people down around them. They're scared of not being good enough. These are all fears. I would say that after coaching tens of thousands of people, that probably 99.999% of the population that I've ever worked with make the majority of their decisions out of fear, which is crazy because there are only two real emotions. There is love and there is fear. Love is a symbiosis. It's a balancing point of both pleasure and pain, good and bad, right and wrong. Like if you love growing a business, you know that there's both pleasure and pain. If you love having a family, you know there's both pleasure and pain. So fear is also counterbalanced by the drive or the ambition or the value of the thing that you're trying to achieve or the purpose. That's why having a purpose and being really clear around your values, like I teach at my Thrive Time event, is so important. Because if you want to be driven and you want to achieve for a long period of time and you want to be as successful as you can be, then you need to be making decisions out of your purpose than just making them out of fear and letting fear you know, overrun you or override your decision making. So then we can go back to the great thinkers. Now, if I go back and I talk about the seven deadly sins or the eight evil thoughts, the Greeks used to talk about this idea of eight evil thoughts, and then the Roman Empire took it, and they converted it into Catholicism or this idea of eight evil thoughts into a Catholic teaching of the seven deadly sins. Now, you've probably heard of these. Now, I want to talk about them because these are fear responses. So when we go to the first one, the first one is gluttony. Now, gluttony is an over-excess. So when we think about being gluttonous, it means an overindulgence or an overconsumption. Now, it could be an overindulgence of food, an overindulgence of alcohol or drinking. It could be an overindulgence of money. It could be an overindulgence of sex. It tends to just be an overindulgence of things. So that's the first one. Now, why is it one of the seven deadly sins or the eight evil thoughts? Well, that's because anything in excess destroys ourselves. It destroys our own self-worth. So if we have too much money and an excess of money without a purpose, you just destroy yourself. So you've probably seen people before. A great example of this is The Wolf of Wall Street. If you've ever watched that movie, or in fact, I was invited to a mastermind next year overseas with Jordan Belford in it, which I'm not sure whether I'm going to go or not yet. That whole movie there was essentially about gluttony and greed, one of the other seven deadly sins. So because they had made money without purpose, the purpose then became the greed and the gluttony. And so the more the purpose became the greed and the gluttony, the more greed and gluttony was there. And so it just kept rolling on and rolling on until eventually it was all just self-destructive. 
So when I meet people who start doing well in business and then they start drinking more, they start taking more drugs, they start partying more, they start going on more holidays, I know that they've lost their purpose. And I've worked with a lot of business owners who have done really well and they're smart enough to realize that they're being self-destructive and so they come to me for coaching or they join one of my programs like they might come to Thrive Time or they might jump to Business Odyssey. But normally the really, really high achieving ones will normally work one-on-one with me privately because they know that that pattern's not good. No one says drugs, alcohol, medication, over-medicating yourself with painkillers or anything like that, antidepressants, anti-anxiety drugs. No one says that that's the key to success. Yet for some weird reason that when people are successful, they think that drugs, alcohol, partying, overspending, overconsumption is going to be the way that they enjoy life. And it's not. The way that they enjoyed life before was growing their self-worth, their self-love, their self-respect, their self-confidence by taking on greater challenges. In fact, I know a billionaire now who is partying very, very heavily. He's blowing a lot of cash, partying a lot, drinking a lot. I would assume that there's drug consumption in there as well. You know, obviously he doesn't show that, but I can see that that is very destructive. Okay, over time, I wouldn't be surprised if he either loses all of his money, loses his business, loses his relationship, or loses the things that are important to him, right? Because it's fun on the way up, but it's it normally leads to the way down. So just be very careful of gluttony. It's the overconsumption or an overexcess. People who overspend, problem. People who overeat, problem. People who overparty, problem. People who overwork, problem. So any overconsumption of anything is not beneficial. Then we go to the next one is fornication or lust. I'm generalizing here because this happens to women as well. But any good man knows a man that was caught up in a lustful relationship, maybe outside of their marriage, maybe it is partying too hard or being around too many women, and eventually it will become self-destructive. They'll lose what they've got. I have a couple of friends of mine who I know they partied very, very hard and they used to be around a lot of women. A lot of those women took advantage of them massively. Now, I guess he took advantage of them through his partying and whatever he did he did with those women or whatever. It was a mutually beneficial relationship. He might've got sex and attention and they got a lot of money and, and nice shit from him. But again, it doesn't lead to a fulfilling relationship and a fulfilling life. Now, by the way, I just want to clarify, they didn't do anything illegal. But what I'm saying is, that when you've got a lot of money and you're a male and you hang around with a lot of females, it's a symbiotic relationship. They're both getting something from it. But the question is, is that something purposeful, meaningful? Is it keeping you on your path? Is it building your self-worth, self-love, self-confidence, self-respect? Or is it something that is just hiding something else? Is it fear driving that? Maybe the fear of not being good enough. I remember when I was young, I used to party quite hard and I used to sleep around a lot. And what I found was that for me, it was because as a kid growing up, I had bright red hair, I had freckles, I was chubby, I used to get picked on all the time. At around the age of 13, I started going to the gym and I started exercising. And when I started getting some muscles, I started getting a little bit more attention. Then I really didn't have a proper relationship until I was maybe around 18 or 19. And then from there, that's when I started to get into longer term relationships. But what I also knew was that when I got into long term relationships, I became a bit clingy, as in I would worry about whether my partner was cheating on me or you know what they were doing when they were going out. And so I became scared. And I was scared because I was afraid of losing the love that I was getting from that relationship or the self-worth or the self-confidence from it. When they broke up, it left me devastated. 
And then I went through these stages where I just thought, you know what, fuck it. I don't want another relationship. And then the next like two months later, I'm back in a relationship again that's long term. And the same thing happened. It wasn't until eventually I got to the point where I was with someone that I really cared about and they ended up moving into state and I didn't want to go. And so we separated. And after that, I thought, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to go out and party and run amok. And so I did for probably two to three years, especially maybe even four years. I partied almost every night of the week, five nights a week. Most nights of the week, I would sleep with someone different. Like I was just running an absolute muck. And because I worked on a party bus where I was responsible for looking after people on hen's nights, 21st, 18th birthdays, and they're always women, there was always lots of girls around. So it was great. And I lived in a bachelor pad with other dudes who used to do that as well. So, you know, we we're just in an environment of partying, sex, running a mark, alcohol. It was awesome for me because it built my confidence. But then after a while, I just realized that it was so shallow and so hollow. And normally it created other problems as well because some girls wanted to have longer term relationships and I didn't want one. It just created all this fucking drama and shit. That's what made me realize it helped me build my self-worth and self-love and self-confidence and self-respect by being in that environment and sleeping with a lot of people. But I also realized that it just didn't really help me to achieve a mission and it didn't help me to be purposeful. I was just living week to week. I was just going through life in the motions, the same as most other people. You know, most of you who are listening to this are probably just going through the motions, don't really know what you want, aren't sure how to get it, aren't sure how to get there, have a lot of doubt, have a lot of fear in your own mind, worry about what everyone else thinks. That's where I was. But it wasn't until I settled down into a longer term relationship with Jess and realized that she was my counterbalancer. And that we started working together as a team that all of a sudden I became settled and really focused and really productive. Jordan Peterson talks quite a lot about this. And he said that for most men, it is super important to have a long-term relationship with somebody and become settled down because it gives you clarity of thought and also purpose and direction. I would agree with that as well. Now, not everybody does, but what I do know is that friends of mine who have gone out and partied and run amok, or maybe they've had a divorce and they go out and they go crazy and they run amok. When you've got a lot of money, and when you're getting a lot of attention and when you know, you're doing well in life, you can really destroy your wealth and you can really destroy a lot of hard work really, really quickly through lust and fornication, which is the second deadly sin, which essentially is sex. That's really what lust is, right? It's, it's lusting. Oh, uh, let me just open this up here and let me have a look. So it says here, lust is a force producing an intense desire for something. Lust can take any form such as a lust for sexuality, money, or power. Okay, so that's the second of the deadly sins. Then we've got greed. So everyone is aware of greed. It's an insatiable desire for material gain or social value, such as status or power. Okay, now greed is one of those seven deadly sins because it means that you can start to push boundaries. And I've seen this in business where I've worked with people before that were quite easy to work with. You know, you could easily work with them. There was good value exchange. And then after a while, they just became really super focused and they just... All of a sudden, it all became about power and winning all the time. When you're around people who have to win at the expense of everything else around them, those people are highly destructive. And I've worked with multiple people before. And even in our events, I get people who come along to our events and they say things like, winning is a high value of mine. I have to win. Those people are super fucking destructive and really dangerous because they're not thinking about value exchange. They're not thinking long-term. They're normally not playing a long-term strategy. They're playing a short-term strategy which then can be at the expense of other people. Because if someone wins, someone else has to lose. Whereas when you're playing an exchange of value, it's I win and you win at the same time because we're both getting what we want in order to expand and grow together. So when I work with people, I know that I get paid. But when I get paid, I have to give them back more value 
the, the money that they're paid. So if I can help them grow their business, if I can help them grow their lifestyle, if I can save their marriage, all of those things, I've well over covered the cost that they have committed to or are paying me for it, a product or a service or one of our events. That's fair and equitable value exchange. And those people are always going to be raving fans and they're going to come back. So that's how I think about working with people. But when you've got people who have to win all the time, that then can become greed. Okay, And again, it's a fear response. People who have to win all the time feel like they're losing. Now, sometimes if you're playing sport, I get it, right? You want to win. But at the same time, if you do it at the expense of other things in life, then that can be a huge problem. You know, if you have to win and it's at the expense of your family, then you'll probably lose your family. So even though you're winning, you lose at the same time. Most people don't think about this. In order to win, something else has to be lost because you can't have a gain without a loss and you can't have a loss without a gain. And I talk about this in depth in our events. You know, when a business owner is going through a loss, like let's say they're losing money, they're normally gaining knowledge or they're gaining other things in the business, like they're gaining a better team, they're gaining better structure, they're gaining better process, but they might not be gaining money. But the wealth is being created elsewhere. When they can see that, it calms them down a lot. Are you ready to raise your standards, achieve more, and stay accountable like never before? My brand new Dominate program is designed to give you year-round accountability and keep you consistently winning. Inside, you'll get epic trainings in mindset, wealth, health, and relationships, plus weekly group coaching calls to combat inconsistency and to stop you falling off the bandwagon. No more trial and error, no more going through the motions, no more feeling unfulfilled at the end of your year. Just a chance to be your best, do your best, and to dominate. No locking contracts, cancel anytime. Join now via the link in the description or at michaelmojo.com. So greed is the third of the deadly sins. Then we have sorrow and despair. So when people get into that state of desperation or despair or depression, what it does, it affects a person's thoughts and they can't thrive anymore. So the more someone wraps their mind up in these negative, fearful thoughts consistently, the more it's just going to drive them down a dark hole and it's going to take away their life force. So what we want to do is we want to build our life force. We want to build our energy, our enthusiasm. I was only talking to a successful business person the other day who, I don't know, their business is probably worth 20 to 30 million. And they were saying how important it is to really feel empowered every day and to have enthusiasm. And one thing that he said to me is that people who aren't enthusiastic are to be avoided because they lack the energy of life. And I thought that that's a, a really good way of thinking about it. But when we think about sorrow and despair, it's having no real purpose, no real direction. Once again, this is why I built Thrive Time because Thrive Time creates your success map for life so that then you know the direction that you're going in, you know where to go, you know what you want to achieve, and it gives you an enthusiasm for life. If you don't have that purpose and your values clear and you're mission-driven, then you can become goal-driven, which then can mean you're trying to win all the time. That can be problematic. Now, if you're not winning all the time, then you start to go into despair and sorrow where you feel like you're losing all the time and you can never get ahead. And that's a really shitty place to be as well. So that's the fourth one. Then we have wrath. Wrath is uncontrolled anger. Now, anger is not bad, but anger that's uncontrolled that then rages out of control is a problem. This is where you see people getting in street fights. Like, you know, you see it all the time on dash cams where people share, you know, one person in a car and they're brake checking the other car. And then the next second they're at the traffic lights and they're punching up with each other. 
That's uncontrolled wrath. That really has nothing to do with that incident. The incident is the way that it's expressed. So that person has anger issues. They have this fear building up inside of themselves. Maybe they're not where they want to be in life. Maybe they're not achieving what they want in life. Maybe their intimate partner is giving them shit at home. And so they have this built up anger. And the next second, someone's just driving along and cuts them off. And instead of just going, oh, you know what? I was probably driving along like a dickhead in the right-hand lane, holding up traffic behind me. And that's why the car cut me off. I should change lanes and move over and you know respect other road users. They then look at that person and go, fuck that guy. And then the next second, they're doing 140 in a 60 zone trying to chase after the car. And now they're at the traffic lights beating the shit out of each other and both of them get arrested. That's uncontrolled anger. That's wrath. Okay, So it's important to make sure that that is managed. So anger isn't a bad response because anger balances out kindness. In Chinese philosophy, anger and kindness are the same thing. They're just on different sides of the equation. So people that are overkind lack the ability to have a bit of anger or a bit of wrath and hold people accountable and create boundaries. But then people who are angry all the time and aggressive all the time tend to lack kindness in those moments. So they need a bit more kindness and a bit more compassion. And it will balance itself back out. So we need to understand that anger is a fear-based response. Then we come down to sloth. Now, sometimes you hear it called Arcadia. So sloth is one of the seven deadly sins in the Catholic teachings. It is the most difficult sin to define. Essentially, sloth is just laziness. Now, this doesn't mean physical laziness. It can mean physical laziness, but sometimes it means mental laziness. I was working with a business owner only recently, and he said, man, I'm flat out all the time, and, and you know, I'm, I'm doing everything, and I'm rushing around, I'm tired, and I'm burnt out, and I'm fucked. And they kept priding themselves on how busy they were and how driven they were, and they kept telling me about it. And I said to them, well, it's probably going to keep happening while you're lazy. And they said, I'm not fucking lazy. I, I do everything. That's the problem is that I have all this weight on my shoulder, and I have to do everything. I said, I understand, but you're lazy. And I watched him just get in this state of confusion. And I said, you're not physically lazy. There's no doubt that you're working flat out. The problem is you're thinking. You're mentally lazy because you're not solving problems in your business through your thought and you're not doing it effectively that then solves these problems long-term. What you're doing is you're always in a rush to solve these problems in a short-term way, which gives you immediate gratification. You're mentally lazy. Until you realize that you need to become more physically lazy, which means back it off a little bit. I don't mean be physically lazy overall. I mean back it off a bit. Instead of working at 180% all the time, back it off to 80% or even 70% and spend more time thinking. And then when you think you can effectively solve problems, which then allows the business to grow and then put the pressure on the team, hold them accountable to make sure shit gets done so that they're physically active. They don't need to think as much because you're doing the thinking for them. And he clicked. I saw him get it. He was like, I get it. Now, he didn't like being called lazy because he considered himself a driven person. But the truth was he was lazy because he was driven. He was driven so much that he was mentally lazy. So sloth is being lazy. Now, it could mean physical laziness. It can mean mentally lazy. It can mean emotionally lazy. It can mean being lazy in an area of life. You might be lazy in the area of finances, but you're highly driven in the area of health. You've got to go and find where that laziness is because it's one of the seven deadly sins. And again, it's fear-driven. Then after that, we have vainglory or vanity. So when we're talking about vanity, 
is it's the excessive belief in one's own abilities or attractiveness to others. So vanity is an excess thinking that you're better, more superior, and it tends to be more around the way that other people perceive you. Okay, that's where vanity comes in. So vanity might be the excess of having to show off to others. Now, there are a lot of people out there who do it. A lot of people show off to others by their cars, by their lifestyle, by their money, by their problems, okay, by their pains, by their suffering. You know, I watch people argue with each other about who's more depressed. <laughs> that's vanity, right? Because they're trying to get attention through the excessiveness of the way that others perceive them. Now, we've got to be careful in this day and age because I know I can come across as being vain sometimes, but on social media especially, I have to amp it up a lot. I don't really care about showing off my cars and my lifestyle and stuff like that, but if I don't do it, what happens is I don't get the people into our database enough to be able to help. And then what happens is some shithead 18-year-old who's never done anything in their life apart from root people off then gets all the attention and then they end up making all the money and I don't think that that's cool. So, I mean, I love having supercars. There's no way I'd get rid of them. But what I'm saying is that, especially on social media these days, vanity is just part of the game. And if you're not expressing that game as well and, and showing your lifestyle and, and showing what you've got, then sometimes you won't get the attention that you need to create the traffic that you need to get the results that you want. So a lot of people that I know, and even I do it, where I get to a point where I'm just like, you know what, I'm sick of showing off all this shit. I'll back off. But what I notice is straight away, our event numbers drop, the attention that we get online drops quite dramatically. And then people start going to other people's events, and I know we have a better product and service. I'm always cautious of that, but I'm always walking a tightrope of being too vain versus not vain enough. I personally don't know where that boundary is. I haven't figured it out because I watch my team sometimes post too much shit, which makes me look too vain. And then I tell them to back it off, and then they back it off too much, and then we just don't get enough attention to be able to drive our products, our services, and be able to help the people that I want to help. So yeah, I don't know where that is. I don't know I don't know if anyone's ever figured this stuff out either. These are the things to be aware of. I know I still have wrath. I still get angry sometimes. You know, sometimes I'm lazy and I'm sloth, but I think about this stuff and I try to pull myself out of it really, really quickly using the tools that I teach at events like Thrive Time. You know, part of the human experience is learning consistently and you'll find yourself doing too much and then not enough, too much, not enough, too much, not enough. The more balanced you are, the more you try to find a midpoint and you don't go too, too much or not enough at all. You'll sort of find a midpoint where you find your own groove and you just stay in that groove, right? It's taken me a long, long time to find my groove, but I'm still, you know, weaving in and out of these things as well. I still have fear, but I just try not to let it define my actions. I know that when I'm scared, I go back or when I have fear or any of these things, I go back to my mission, my purpose, my value, which is my success map for life. Then the last one is pride. So when we talk about pride, again, it is this like over showing of self-esteem or confidence. A lot of these are very similar. They tend to be about excess. So if we look at wrath, it's the excess of anger. Then when we look at sloth, it's the excess of laziness. It's not saying rest. It's saying the excess of rest where you sit around, you do fuck all. Or when you're mentally lazy and you're not thinking through things effectively, that's sloth. Gluttony isn't having nice shit. Gluttony is the over excess of nice things. All of these are based on excessiveness. So again, pride, when we come back to it, is it's the excess of confidence, the excess of oneself. It's having to show off and over-exaggerating parts of yourself. So when we think about these, 
all of those seven deadly sins, these have been around, by the way, for what, 1,500 to 2,000 years. And then even before that, the Greeks were using the eight evil thoughts. And then even before that, the Egyptians spoke about some of these things. So these have been around for thousands of years. These are important to understand because when these pop up in your mind, it is important to keep them in balance, to go back to your success map in life, to realize that it's fear driving you now and you're having a fear response. So therefore, now you've got to make a better decision. And that is to go back to having clarity around your purpose, your mission, your values, your lifestyle balance, You know, making sure you're setting goals effectively and getting back on track, staying in your groove. If not, you will live life like most people who define their whole lives by those eight evil thoughts or the seven deadly sins. So if you look at most people, if I just go to social media, most people are in those. Like the person who's sitting there criticizing me on social media, you know, that I'm always showing off, they're probably the lazy person that's the sloth. They're either not doing enough or they're mentally lazy. So they're either physically lazy or mentally lazy. Greed. The person who's criticizing you on social media might see that you're doing well, but they're greedy because they want more money, but they don't want to put in the work. So that's keeping them trapped. Having a really clear understanding around those seven deadly sins or the eight evil thoughts, and I go through these in some of my more advanced events that I teach after Thrive Time. So there are hidden events that I don't publicly talk about, but those events happen after you come to Thrive Time because once you've got a great base of knowledge, then I can amp it up and we dive into these things in depth so you can keep chipping away and really upping your knowledge to a whole nother level that most people can't even comprehend. And when I say knowledge, I don't mean like university where you go there and you have to do tests and shit. I'm talking about stuff that you can actually utilize in life where you can start to read how people act and respond and you really get a better understanding of why people do what they do. So it's great for leadership, great for management, great for families and so on. But they're only activated, those courses are only activated after Thrive Time. Because if you don't have a good base of your own success map, there's no way that you can properly lead other people or that you can drive other people's behavior or even lead a family. You need to get yourself super clear and super effective around what you're trying to achieve so that then you can get out there, live your life, and then keep stepping it up. But without that map, you're going to be off track. You're going to have fear driving your behavior. You're going to have a lot of these seven deadly sins occupying your mind. And it's just going to create problems eventually. So that's why I only unlock those other events after doing Thrive Time. But anyway, this here, I hope gives you a great thought process or a great insight into your own thoughts, into how you think on an average daily basis. Are you working and then thinking about being lazy and, oh man, I wish I wish I didn't have to work so much. That's probably sloth. Are you sitting there and looking at somebody else and with envy and going, you know, I wish I had the money that they have. That's greed. That could potentially be gluttony as well if you think that life's going to be easier. When I meet people and they're like, I want financial freedom, I'm like, you gluttonous, lazy motherfucker. Because no one is financially free. It's an idea that's sold to the masses. Even people with a lot of money aren't financially free. They have a lot of challenges. They have a lot of pressure. They have a lot of stress. Because when you've got money, everyone wants your money. So therefore, it's harder work to maintain and keep that money. Okay, it's just part of a game of life. If you know how to manage money effectively, then you can keep growing it and you do have better opportunities. Like it's nicer to travel in business class than it is in cattle class, right? Definitely. It's nicer to drive a nice car than it is to drive a shit car, right? It's just nicer in life. It's nicer to live in a nice house and it's nicer to not have to stress about common bills. But at the same time, you might not have to stress about common bills, but you may have to now stress about someone trying to sue you and shut down your business. That's a different level of stress. You might have to deal with someone who's got a work cover claim 
on you that then is trying to sue you and take you to court. You might have to deal with an ex-employee who's going around spreading rumors and trying to destroy your business. You've got to deal with all these things the more money you make. Just be careful of those thoughts inside your own mind that you're thinking that life's going to get easier because it's probably falling into one of those seven deadly sins. Just get back to living with purpose in life, having a clear mission for what you're trying to achieve, and then also make sure you're living your values so that then you're fulfilled each and every day. It's a game changer. Anyway, Driven Mofos, have a great day. Keep your standards high. Keep crushing it. And I look forward to joining me back here once again on the next episode. And be careful of letting fear drive your behavior and your decisions. Stay driven. Stay driven.